Welcome to the COSEC Show. Join the COSEC Qatari Securities team as they share their insights on the Australian share market, discussing some of their best performing companies, macroeconomic news from offshore, including local domestic news, foreign exchange, as well as commodities. If you have any questions regarding the share market, our phone lines are open. You can dial in on 1300 854 151 or alternatively, email info at cosec.com.au. Exclusively on this show, each guest will reveal their hottest stock pick. For more information on any of the topics discussed, go to cosec.com.au. The information featured in this program is general in nature and does not take into account your personal circumstances, needs or objectives. Guests appearing on the program may own or have commercial arrangements with some of the companies mentioned. Before making any investment insurance or financial planning decisions, you should consult a licensed professional who can advise whether your decision is appropriate for you. Good afternoon, investors, and Merry Christmas. My name is Will Brownlee, and welcome to The Cosex Show, where we discuss all things relevant in the market this week. Macroeconomic data, currencies and commodities, top performers for the week that was, and of course, our hottest stock picks for the week to come. As always, I'm joined here by our panel of experts and resident experts in the market. To my left, Caroline Wong, as always, Gabriel Ryan, and our senior trader, Linson Cal. Let's get things started with a little bit of a discussion about what's happening macroeconomically. And boy, has this been a week. It's right before Christmas. It's the week, or the last full week of trading right before Christmas. I was expecting things to be a little bit slower. I was expecting just to have a nice little peter off. Then all of a sudden, Thursday, Friday hit, and we had a resurgence of COVID-19 uh, <laughs> in Sydney in the Northern Beaches. Gabe, tell us a little bit about what happened. Well, it was all set to have a nice finish off to the week. US markets were up overnight, really hoping for a good day. Unfortunately, that was all uh, shattered to dust. Um, <laughs> so in the Northern Beaches, they've uh, got a cluster now that is uh, around the 28 people mark. And that's a lot considering how long we'd gone without any cases. Well, considering it was zero yeah. <laughs> and now it's jumped 20, that's, uh, I believe, uh, more what than exponential that? growth. It's certainly quite high. And uh, they think it's a strain from the US. So it's somehow migrated through here um, by some means, not too sure how. And they've pinged it on the Avalon RSL, potentially being the point at which it might have uh, spread through. Now, Avalon's about, what, uh, an hour and a half north of yeah. uh, north of sort of Sydney? Yeah, that's right. It's sort of a town on the way to Palm Beach. Okay. Yeah. Very nice. And there's and there's, a, there's a lot. There's a lot of different clusters that they've got. That is it spreading down towards Sydney more? Are we in danger? Uh, well, I, I, I sort of <laughs> hope we're in danger. I mean, North Sydney, um, Northern Beaches aren't really too far away. Yep. So uh, potentially that could, you know, come down. I mean, they've only discovered this recently. Mm -hmm. So Now, I mean... Let's put a little bit of context, okay? And let's talk a little bit about the ramifications of it. Came from the US, but let's call a spade a spade. Over in the US, they are not having a good time of it. I think, what, 2,000 deaths a day or something along that, something crazy yeah. like that. Yep. And we're worried about 28 cases. Are we overreacting? Well, I'm not a medical professional, so I, unfortunately I can't comment on the, whether or not we're overreacting. I think that the, the greatest concern is just that a lot of states are now closing their borders. We're heading into the holiday season. It's Christmas. We all thought we were coming out of it. People wanted to go see their families. It was all sunshine and rainbows. Alas, uh, no, not anymore. I've seen some pretty concerning articles while I've been looking at the paper during the day. First one being, uh, if you want to go away, be careful. You might not get back, okay, because <laughs> you might not be able to come back in. Yeah. Closing borders. And they can quite literally just close these at any time. They can literally just turn around and just say, no, nah, okay, no more. We're not letting any more. Is that right? Yeah, that was funny. Actually, I was watching a, a video earlier in the in the morning, and um, it was a video on, of people flying to Perth, I think. Mm -hmm. And uh, while they were flying, they had just changed legislation. Um, so people come from New South Wales had to stay 14 days in quarantine while they were flying. So can you imagine that, right? Yeah. And it was only announced, oh, it was such a good space. It was only announced probably what, at the start of the week that there was going to be a, maybe a travel bubble in the first quarter of the new year with New Zealand. And uh, things were starting to, starting to open back up again. Things were yep. looking very good. And then 28 cases and uh, suddenly it's all kind of crashing down a little bit. Yeah, it's certainly unfortunate. Let's talk about what the market reaction has been. I'm going to move over to Caroline because we had a very good week. Things were looking great. We were hitting a lot of good movements, uh, highs over in the US. Today, what happened to our market today? Mm, badly affected. <laughs> it wasn't very good. Was so it? yesterday we actually had a nine month high, wow. but now 
now we've right. just we've just all we've just come back down again. Yes, okay. The thing that was quite interesting that I thought um, was we actually started off down a little bit and mm -hmm. then we continued to sell off into the close, dropping almost, we're down over one percent today. Last time I checked, would that be around about right? That sounds right. Mm -hmm. Yeah, excellent. Well, listen. I want to cycle away from this because this can all be once again solved by the evolution of this vaccination. Mm -hmm. I want to move over to Linson and I want you to talk a little bit about what's happening with the vaccination. Do we have one? Is this going to get, do that we can get one here by Christmas to save us all a lot of our heartache or, or what's the deal with that at the moment? Okay. So a few things there. Uh, yeah, it's a little bit rosier on the vaccine front. So I think we spoke about this this time last week and I think the advisory panel in the FDA had approved the the uh the pfizer vaccine mm -hmm. uh and i found out later that it was a margin of 17 to 4 with one abstaining so i'm actually kind of curious who the four were and why they were voted against it um, but that's fully approved and people have started getting it in the so US. that some people actually voted against having this vaccination yeah interestingly um i didn't see a reason why though and i guess it didn't really matter because the fda then officially approved it some people in the u.s have started getting it so that's good news now, if we recall, Moderna is about a week behind. So actually earlier today during our trading day, uh, they approved it 20 to zero. Uh, one person abstained. I don't know where the other person went because if you do the maths, that's one person less <laughs> with Pfizer. Um, Good maths. Yeah, there we go. Oh, that's what I'm here for. So yeah. Moderna um, has been approved. It's probably going to be stamped by the FDA by tomorrow. So, so just, just, just let me clarify that a mm. bit. So Pfizer, four said no. Yep. Okay, Moderna, no one said no. That's right. Is there... Do, any news why there was such a disparity? Couldn't there? see anything. No. Could, couldn't see anything. So some people like Moderna more. Yeah, yeah. Cool. yeah. But interestingly, I mean, I think Pfizer was 95% efficacy. Moderna was 94.1. So both super high. And um, I, I know recently you've uh, brought up a chart uh, in the, la the podcast last week mm. about how long it's going to take us to get the vaccination. That's right. But just for, for our viewers that may be tuning in for the first time this week, how long roughly till we start yeah so we're not going to be if you just look at the initial stages we're going to be a little bit behind uh mm -hmm. simply because the uk and the us have already started jabbing people we don't even have it yet right okay. um but in terms of getting to say 50 percent inoculation of the population uh it's probably going to be roughly the same time so i don't have the chart in front of me now but if you think if you imagine all the different countries we were basically on top of the us when i say on top of we were we looked very similar to the us and the uk so with 50 percent inoculation by the middle of next year so okay. i wouldn't worry too much about that however no one's gotten it yet in australia as far as i know okay and uh, let's just cycle away because in talking about australia, australia i was right next to australia is china last time on the show mm. last week we spoke a little bit about the simmering tensions between china and us which is uh, quite different to what it was maybe a year ago where it was China and the US seems mm -hmm. to have turned their attention a little bit to us. Talk to us about how we're developing on that front. Yeah, so I don't know if we've added any new uh, goods to the uh, to the list. It's 11 by my last count. I think that was the same case as last week. We've still got lobsters on there? Lobsters, are they're on there in the sense that they are banned, so okay, they're not yep. on the menu, <laughs> if you want to think of it that way. So <laughs> a little bit of a development on coal. So a Chinese tabloid, and again, tabloids in China are not quite the same as tabloids in our Western world in the sense that they probably wouldn't publish anything that didn't have at least the tacit approval of the Communist Party. Uh, so they said that they appeared to confirm the ban on coal. Mm -hmm. So if you recall, I think a couple of weeks ago, it looks like some of the ships had actually managed to offload mm -hmm. their cargo. Uh, they seem to approve the ban, but still no official comment from China yet. And also we instigated proceedings or instituted proceedings at the WTO, specifically about Bali, but there's no reason why we wouldn't expand that to something else, but that's just, it's just posturing. It takes years to resolve these and WTO doesn't really have that much power. I don't think anyway. Okay. So uh, area of concern for you at the moment, worried about it or less worried this week than you were last week? Probably the same, same amount. If, if you had to be, if I, yeah, if I can't say the same and I had to say more or less, you'd have to say more, okay. we're going down the, continuing down that path. Okay. I want to cycle back over and I want to talk about Car I'll talk to Caroline because I know you've been keeping a very close eye on what's happening macroeconomically just mm -hmm. in Australia wise. How are we coping? Are we coming out of this recession? Are we lagging everything else? How are we doing with our sort of GDP numbers, et cetera? Uh, any comments on that at the moment? Plenty. 
Thank you. <laughs> Can't vent for any. Okay, so um, recent economic figures are showing that we are indeed in a recovery. So this week, the government um, announced um, their mid-year economic and fiscal outlook. And I actually have a chart for that. If we look at the chart, um, the blue bar says 9.9%. So what that means is that in this current fiscal year, we are expected to record a narrow budget deficit of 9.9% of GDP. And this is good because this is an upward revision of 11% of GDP pre- uh, relative to what they expected in October. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So two reasons behind this is that, first, the sustained surge in iron ore prices. Right, so that's uh, back on the, back on the yeah. old iron ore again. Okay, but this, the second one is a little bit more surprising. It is an unexpected decline in JobKeeper program. So the government actually expects less people to receive wage subsidy. And this would in turn translate into about six billion worth of savings into the December quarter. Okay. Okay. And what does that mean for our market? How does that translate to our market? Is it moving, moving in a positive direction based on that? Yeah, exactly. Um, also the market has been responding very well to it. And also we are known that, um, GDP figures in the second quarter, we slumped by 7%. In the third quarter, we rebounded by 3.3%. And that was really fast. So we took 30 years to enter into a recession, but three months to get out. Three months. Very easy to get in. Very, mm-hmm. very hard to yep. get out. Mm-hmm. I think, and we've spoken many times before about how easy it is to just slide in and out of this and how flippantly we can uh, jump in and out of these recessions, etc. One thing I do want to discuss is Jerome Powell came out, had a bit of a speech and spoke a little bit about sort of where he thinks interest rates are going to go. Now, correct me if I'm wrong, but he, he was saying that he's uh, sort of keeping interest rates on hold, not looking to make any changes until 2023. Was that right? Yes, correct. So the most recent updated um, addition that we are hearing is that until inflation and employment get back um, on track. Speaking of which, um, Aussie employment results are out. Um, if we have the chart up, um, November's jobs report was very positive. Mm-hmm. Um, unemployment fell to 6.8% from 7% last month. And in terms of the peop- number of unemployed uh, people, November recorded an addition of 90,000 jobs. And surprising, surprisingly, 74,000 came from Victoria. So what we're saying is people are getting back to work. Mm-hmm. Okay, we are getting a little bit more. Is this going to be the lull before the storm and things are going to go up and then come back down again? Linson, uh, is that is that going to be the case? Do we think we're going to get a big, a bit of a spike in things and then things come back down again? Or do you think it's going to be just a, a northern trajectory from here? I can't think of a better way of phrasing it, but I don't think lull and storm are the words I would have mm. used. I think it, it will be an upward trajectory, but uh, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know about the storm that's, yep. uh, that's coming. Okay, okay, perfect, perfect. In terms of where everything else within the world is sitting, how are we doing on Brexit at the moment? I know, uh, Gabe, that's something that you've been keeping an eye on, and Linson as well. Any sort of news on what's happening on the Brexit front at the moment, uh, Gabe? Well, every time I look at it, the uh, it just keeps getting delayed, 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 because there's an impasse in the negotiations between the... Um the European Union negotiators and the uh, English negotiators yes. or the British negotiators. Um, I think they've extended the deadline to the end of the year. Is that right? Uh, that's, I mean, that's Which always been the deadline. In, okay. uh, yes, they, two weeks, yes. <laughs> well, I mean, this sort of, they've kicked the can down the road for four years. And I think just the latest example is they said the make or break conversation was <laughs> going to take place and the deadline was going to be last Sunday. And of course they pushed that out as well. And they're hopeful again, for a resolution by the end of this week. Now they are running, actually running out of time this time because I haven't seen this 31st of December deadline ever move. However, I guess there's no reason they couldn't implement transition period number two and make that go for another year. I have no idea. (laughs) I am really curious. So it's still kicking the can down the road when it comes to They've done really well with that, yeah. Yeah. Excellent, excellent. All right, well, ladies and gentlemen, we're going to take a short break. If you have any questions for our panel, please feel free to take a video and email it through to info at cosec.com.au. Now, everyone who does this will receive a copy of our book, Stock Market Success, Retailing and Dimmicks for $39.95, or our magazine, Selling and News Agencies Australia-wide for $19.95. We'll be back shortly with your currency and commodity overview. As kids, we were active. We were creative. We questioned all things. We celebrated everything. We took risks. 
We had no limits. We had dreams. Our imagination helped us solve problems and create new possibilities. Albert Einstein once said, imagination is everything. It is the preview of life's coming attractions. We are in an ever-changing world filled with fear and uncertainty. Don't let that change the inner child within. As Walt Disney said, imagination has no age and dreams are forever. Herzig is here to help build your dreams and create possibilities. Secure your success with Herzig Kadari Securities. Throughout time, humans have relied upon innovation to advance and evolve, using new and improved methods, having meaningful impact on society and industries. In order to advance, ideas were transformed into new products and services. The stock market has also evolved through innovation. Innovation has been key to COSEC's success. Using artificial intelligence and machine learning, COSEC has streamlined processes to bring better opportunities to clients. Opportunities that might have otherwise been missed. Join a company that innovates to bring clients the best opportunities and service. Invest with a solid strategy. Invest with confidence. Invest with COSEC. Kadari Securities. returns in the stock market on a consistent basis? Obsessed with this idea, Michael Kadari forms COSEC, Kadari Securities. He seeks, in his own words, a revolutionary investment strategy based on better information and knowledge. Wealth begins with better knowledge, becomes his motto. He seeks to identify and accurately pick the next top performing stocks on the ASX. He seeks for consistency. Michael Kadari creates a unique stock market filtering system he names Lotus Blue, named after a flower that blooms just once. Because in investing, timing is everything. See how accurate COSEC stock picks are. Get a free seven-day access to Lotus Blue today. If you want the COSEC investment edge, you know what you have to do. Call COSEC now or visit cosec.com.au and take advantage of the insights he reserves for his clients. Do you follow currencies? Want to know how the Aussie dollar is travelling? Do you love commodities? Do you see gold prices rising? Do you see more demand for oil? Do you see the world economy growing? Get the latest in-depth analysis and discussion on commodities every week from real traders. Get real insights only on The Cosec Show. Welcome back. Let's talk about currencies and commodities, all things that shine, sparkle, fold and make the world go around. And I want to talk about one thing that's going up 
And one thing that's going down, and uh, I'm going to turn over to Linsen's out of the currencies. Australian dollar going up, US dollar seems to be going down, great rate of knots. Uh, what are your comments on that? What are we seeing at the moment? Yes, so we're seeing exactly what you said. Let's just go straight to the chart for the US dollar index. So uh, one thing that made me happy about this chart is I always talk about higher highs, higher lows, or lower highs, lower lows. And I'm glad I'm not the only one who thinks this way. Mr. Bloomberg also thinks this way. If we look at this chart, he circled three things there. So those are three points of lower highs in the dollar index. So mm -hmm. even without the chart, we've known that the dollar index has been sliding recently. It's a safe haven currency. So with all the positivity nowadays, we're seeing a sell-off of the US dollar. Correspondingly, the Aussie dollar, because we're talking about it quoted against the US dollar, obviously, I think it's above 76 cents now. And uh, so it's not the only one, basically every major currency that is remotely risk on. So basically everything except the yen. So it's on the Euro, the Sterling, the Canadian dollar, the Kiwi dollar, the Swiss franc. They're all at two and a half year highs okay. against the US dollar at the moment. Yeah. And what makes, uh, I'm gonna ask a tricky question here potentially, mm. but what makes them so risk on? or a risk off and what sort of qualifies them as, as those? It's more, it's relative. Okay. Uh, so I'll, I'll give, yeah, a simple answer and a slightly, actually they're both simple answers. So I'll give two answers. The first is the US dollar is a safe haven. The only okay. one that you could argue is more of a safe haven is the Japanese yen. Okay. Uh, I won't go into any more depth than that. Also, Australia is more of a risk on currency than a lot of these others, simply because we're a commodity currency as well. Okay, so, so we're, we're affiliated by commodity. Exactly. Okay. So the, the rising price of iron ore in recent time obviously has buoyed our currency as well. So if so, what you're basically saying is there should be a correlation between iron ore rising and uh, and and the dollar rising as well. Yes, there should be a, a correlation there. Also, Caroline touched upon this, but our budget deficit is going to look less of a deficit simply because we baked in conservative estimates with the price of iron ore that are probably going to end up being like well un, well overshot. So forgive my obtuseness mm -hmm. here, but uh, I understand that we we do export a lot of iron ore. We export it over to. Um, over to, to, to China. But one of the things that we also do a lot of exporting is of gold. Now the price of gold's going down, iron ore is going up. Shouldn't they be offsetting each other when it comes to the currency? Is that a, so is that too complicated to- uh, No, I can about? explain that one as well. If you just think of the scales, one of okay. them is just heavier than the other at the moment. Okay, so iron ore is, is heavier. So there's more more weight. Yeah, I, I didn't mean it literally. <laughs> I, yeah, yeah, I didn't mean it literally. Uh, we can do an- yeah, which one's well, heavier, one kilo of iron or one kilo of gold. Yeah. Um, but uh, so gold did sell off quite a lot uh, in the immediate aftermath of the COVID breakthroughs. However, we have seen it stabilize somewhat. Also now with uh, potentially the US fiscal stimulus, them finally getting their act together, we have seen gold stage a, a slight recovery also with the dollar weakness. In okay, don't, don't, there. don't talk any more about gold because I'm going to cycle back to that. <laughs> In a second, sure. I'm going to jump straight over to Gabe and I want to talk about something that I've been keeping a very, very close eye on, sure. the uh, price of oil, yes. but also the price of nickel. Yep. Let's start off with oil. Talk to me a little bit about what's happening with that. Bull well, Bear, what do you think? Well, again, you probably uh, don't want to go against the trend. Okay. And the trend for oil is up at this stage. And I think the main catalyst for oil going up the way it has been is clearly vaccine optimism. Okay, and so... Yep. So I think a lot of people are factoring in demand for oil increasing as the vaccine is rolled out. We've just seen it get approved in the US. So that's the Pfizer vaccine, as Lindsay mentioned just before. It's already being rolled out in the UK. I think I saw over 100,000 people in the UK have already been inoculated. So that number will only go higher and higher. Another tricky question kind of kind of put out there. I'm full of them today. Yes. And I suppose this is one that I think is on the two of everyone's tongues. But once this vaccination comes out, how long is it going to be until we start to see things going back down that way. How, how long is it going to be until we start to see a decreasing amount of, uh, of, uh, of cases being born and deaths in, in America, would you say? Mm, well, it's, it's quite hard to say. Um, I know some of these vaccines, they're not necessarily 100% effective at actually reducing transmission, mm -hmm. just the symptoms. Okay. So therefore you actually are thereby minimizing the risk of transmission. Yes. Um, so new cases may pop up, but if you're inoculated, you're not going really to have any impact. That's not going to impact you whatsoever. So I don't think that's too much of a risk. That's okay. a really good point because if you wanted to be a real pessimist about it, you could argue, and some have argued this, is that people will get vaccinated more, they'll become more complacent because they're fine and they'll start going around. And because they're still in the process of investigating whether transmission, as Gabe said, is actually prevented, 
if they start loosening their activities, that could actually transmit it more. That would be the, the worst case scenario. Well, well, that was one of the things that they said a lot about the reason why we've got such a big spike in you know, COVID cases here in the, in the Northern Beaches is because of complacency. Mm. And, I, and I have to, I, I do kind of agree with that. I, I go get my coffee in the morning and very, very little social distancing of any kind. Yeah, I, think I, can, I, can under, I can understand that. But it is so easy to do. And I think if, you got, if I knew that I had a vaccination, mm potentially maybe even more relaxed would that be a safe assumption to be making is that down that down the same line as what you guys were thinking naturally yeah i think if you i mean the logical you know next step is that if you're inoculated what risk do you pose and if other people are inoculated what risk do you pose to them yeah and vice versa yeah. so oil's going up it's yep. going to cycle back let's cycle back uh oil's going up <laughs> moving in a positive direction yes. are oil stocks following suit at the moment stagnating a little bit i have been watching them as closely but i do see that bpt oil search moving not quite as positive as oil is nevertheless they are still high up on that range because oil what's oil trading at at the moment last i checked it was close to 49 to be around 40 so it's getting up there it's starting it to get up there we're looking almost having a six handle on that indeed uh, and uh, at that stage we would assume that quite a few oil companies are getting a bit more profitable we mm -hmm. would anticipate that they would rally towards the north but they're not as much yeah that's right so let's talk a little bit about another uh, another commodity that i know you guys have spoken about uh, a little bit earlier in macro was the is the, the coal is a commodity of coal more specifically whitehaven coal Yep. I don't know what to take when it comes to that. One day it's up 5%, one day it's down 5%. Obviously, it's being affected by the tariffs from China, etc. But at this, is this a place that you can make a bit of money on it? Is it, is it a time that you can maybe buy in, make a, make a little bit, and then get back out again? Or uh, Well, as we like to say, we don't, uh, you don't want to catch falling knives. Right? Okay, and you think it's still a, still a falling knife at this stage? I, I potentially... Look, you know, you look globally, trends are moving against coal as being a good source for energy, good in uh, purely, you know, qualitative terms. You know, maybe it's not that bad, but in terms of its environmental consequences, it's not quite as popular and renewables appear to be uh, becoming a little bit more popular and replacing coal eventually. I was, uh, it was interesting, we were, we were talking quite a bit in the investment committee about, uh, about renewables and we brought up some pictures of lithium mines mm. and they, they, look, they look horrific. They're big holes in the ground there. I mean, they're, they're, I'm sure coal is exactly the same, but uh, imagine if we suddenly replace all these uh, cars with electric vehicles and we've got big holes going everywhere. I mean, it'd be, it'd be a bit catastrophic. Is that something that no one's really considered? Well, I think that's a, that's a very interesting point. And um, the, <laughs> it was a spokesperson for Toyota. In fact, it was the, uh, the president said that if Japan was to go 100% EV, actual electricity supply wouldn't be able to meet the demand it'd be sustained yeah we would, wouldn't be able to meet it would, would, you'd have to up the plug your car exactly so i think night. there's some logistical issues that need to be resolved before everyone goes ev uh, that seems to be the trend moving forward into the next decade it, and beyond it's always like someone has a great idea and then we sit down and we discuss it and, and do a feasibility study and then you're like yeah that might not quite work so it's the issue of when we burn stuff so if you're <laughs> driving a petrol car it burns as you drive but if you drive an electric vehicle it burns when you charge it like when you're burning yep you know, coal to get electricity is that kind of the way to think of it well i'm not i'm not a battery engineer I'm yeah not i'm sure. certainly not either <laughs> let's uh let's jump over to caroline because mm -hmm. i know last week we certainly had our eye on ore or looking at iron <laughs> quite a bit and uh, i know that how's that going at the moment because you still keep a very close eye on that yeah, i do so if we look at the chart it experienced a slight but i would argue a healthy pullback at the start of the week continues to trend in a positive direction and sitting above 158 dollars a ton as of this morning. Mm. So it's the same narrative, strong demand in China, as well as supply constraints in Brazil. But more importantly, what I want to emphasize on is that the government actually has um, adopted a more conservative um, outlook for the price of iron ore. So it kept it at $55 per ton by the <laughs> end of September is that a, is that Australian dollars? Yeah, so that's like a 63%. It's yeah. trading what, 158 <laughs> in the moment? Yeah. And they reckon 55. 55, yeah. It's a conservative outlook based on the ongoing trade tensions. Okay. Okay. That's a, that's a, that's a, yep. Fair, fair enough. It's a, it's a bold statement. I think what happened was, um, the Libs learned from Labor's mistake. I think the last time yeah. Labor was in power, they severely overestimated, um, yeah. the price of iron ore and thus created a, I don't know if it was a hole, but it was a much lower surplus maybe. Correct. That was yeah. part of the reasoning as well. Yeah. yeah. Let's talk about one last commodity and then we'll move on. Okay. Gold. Okay, certainly starting to have a little bit of shining light, pardon the pun. Okay, it's uh, starting to twinkle a little bit, moving up quite a bit, but 
Gold players are not. We look at them every day. We're talking Saracen, Newcrest, Northern Star. They are still quite depressed. They're having a little bit of a tick up, but nowhere near in the same way that uh, gold. Uh, reason for that, uh, Mr. Cal? Uh, I honestly can't can't think of one. So yeah, you're right. It's a it's a slight tick up. Some people might say that that's an area of value. I would just say no. Yeah, like, just still, just look it's at that. still da like it's still trading underneath the middle Donchin channel. Still, there's still all these gold players are still on a technical basis. Sure, macroeconomically, you could justify it. And based on the commodity price, you could justify it. But I think it's it's still in a strong downward trend at the moment. All these gold players are. Totally agree. And I think all of us are united in saying that medium to long term, we're still generally bullish gold, I think it's safe to say. Yeah. But in the short term, why, why try it now? Like, I, there's, I don't really see much upside there. Very good. Well, ladies and gentlemen, you heard it here first. That was commodities, currencies, and the events that shaped them. Now, are you a bull or a bear? Let us know. Our phone lines are now open. In the meantime, we're going to take a quick break. And when we get back, we're going to have a look at the best and worst performers on the Australian market this week. The world changed this year. So did the stock market. Is it time for a change in your portfolio? Invest with confidence. Invest with a solid strategy. Invest with COSEC, Kodari Securities. RBA has cut interest rates to a record low of 0.1%. Returns in saving accounts are now shockingly low. We have never seen these conditions before. The good news is that the stock market benefits from low interest rates and historically has outperformed property or any other asset class. COSEC uses a unique stock market filtering system called Lotus Blue, which helps generate solid profits for clients. During COVID in April 2020, COSEC recommended Kogan, which went up 340%. In June, COSEC recommended Saracen Minerals, which went up 23%. In October, COSEC recommended Nickel Mines, which went up 33%. If you want your money working overtime, you need to know what stocks to buy and when to sell. That's where COSEC can help. With no barriers to entry, it's just simple investing. Build wealth with a concrete investment strategy. Go to COSEC.com.au. Get a free seven-day access to Lotus Blue and receive our top eight stock picks today. have relied upon innovation to advance and evolve using new and improved methods having meaningful impact on society and industries in order to advance ideas were transformed into new products and services the stock market has also evolved through innovation 
Innovation has been key to COSAC's success. Using artificial intelligence and machine learning, COSEC has streamlined processes to bring better opportunities to clients. Opportunities that might have otherwise been missed. Join a company that innovates to bring clients the best opportunities and service. Invest with a solid strategy. Invest with confidence. Invest with COSEC. Kadari Securities. Let's move on to our next section now and have a look at what the best and worst performers on their ASX were this week. I'm going to jump straight over to Caroline. I know you've been keeping a very close eye on things, as have I, as have we all. Let's have a look at what, uh, what your, your chart's telling us this week. Sure. So before I jump into that, I just want to touch on the best and worst performer for the year. So we look at the chart. Um, tech and materials were the best performers for the year. So tech, you can see it by the, the black line, sorry. Um, it sought approximately 55% this year as investors flocked to growth stocks. And materials, which is highlighted in a pink line, it's a great year for miners and, uh, sorry, copper and iron ore. UBS has also given both um, the mining sector and mining players an overweight rating as they believe that demand will outweigh supply. So that's the sector. That's not individual companies. UBS is just giving the, the, okay. the sector, sector a bit of an, a, a, an overweight recommendation. I, d I hadn't known that they actually can do that. Uh, now, is that because they think there's going to be more movement there in the in, in the future for both the stocks and for the commodities as yeah, well? Yeah, I believe so. It's just a general positive outlook. Okay, perfect. And what hasn't been doing very well? Um, <laughs> energy stocks. <laughs> yeah, energy stocks have been yeah. moving into a negative direction pretty Correct. quickly. And this has been um, replicated in the weekly performance. If we look at my chart from Monday to Thursday, we can see that the major outperformer was um, IT as well. So two of the WAC stocks after pay and zero. They were the major lifters and the gainers for this section because um, Afterpay is added to the ASX20 index. Unbelievable. I remember <laughs> when that was $4 and that was not very long ago at all. I think pretty much we saw it at $9. It dropped to 8 It dropped below 8 uh, Do you know what got booted out of the ASX20? What yeah. got, got booted out? Yeah, did, what, what got booted out? No, I'm just curious. Uh, it might have been IGO or something. IAG, Insurance Australia. Something more. <laughs> not as exciting as not as exciting as Afterpay Touch. Uh, I mean, while we're talking about Afterpay Touch, what do we what do we all think of that? I mean, I know a lot of people were saying that's true. In two thousand seventeen, two thousand eighteen, we had Sky Business running, and there was not a single day where they wouldn't talk about that stock. Then it was replaced by Bitcoin. Not a single day that they haven't really spoken about Bitcoin. Afterpay Touch seems to have taken a bit of a back seat, but it is just. It's phenomenal. 100, what is it now? 120. 120, and a lot of brokers are saying quite a bit higher. Is that right? Mm. Is that is that normal? What what do we think about that, Gabe? Uh, I, I don't know how you define normal in that sense. <laughs> that's, that's, uh, uh, that's beyond normal. That makes it probably one of the most expensive stocks on our exchange. Is that? Yeah, that I think probably it would just be eclipsed by Cochlear, CSL, potentially Aria. Okay, well, while we're on that, while we're talking about that, because I want to talk about something which is not doing very well, certainly today. <laughs> and we're all keeping up to date with all the modern announcements and everything that's coming out. Today, A2 Milk got absolutely decimated. Yep. Moved down in a, in a very negative uh, dire direction. <laughs> What's that all about? Why did that happen? Well, they were in a trading halt, I think, for uh, just one day. And they came out this afternoon, or is it two days? Two days. Yeah. They um, actually said that they were probably not going to come out till Monday. Did I read that? That they, they, they weren't going to come out till Monday. So they've come out a little bit okay. early. They, they came out early. Um, we already saw Sinlate Milk was down on the announcement of the halt. That was probably a... Uh, <laughs> a bit of a foregone. <laughs> a, a, and then A2 Milk naturally came out and they uh, they revised down their guidance for revenues uh, for the half and for the full year and the EBITDA margin as well. Ouch. So 24 4%? I don't know what it closed down, but I think I saw it 25% down at one point. So That's... it got heavily sold off. 
just managed to hold above $10. Um, but yeah, certainly did get a bit blasted. Once again, can remember it well at $2, at $4, $5, broke $8. And we thought, wow, this is incredible. Yep. Got added to the Miski uh, 100 at about the 10 or $12 mark. Been on a nice little stagnated run since then, but then today, wow, we uh, I didn't even didn't even think that it, that could ever happen to a. So I think Will, you could say that the market has soured on oh, HUMO. You, oh, you're oh, like that, that, that was actually a lot better All than right. the ones that a lot better than the ones. <laughs> I was trying to think of something about cranky cows, but then I thought that's going to be a little bit. All right, let's let let's move straight along, okay? And we're going to move over to uh, we're going to move over to Linson. Have a little bit of a talk about to us about the AU and how that should have been lagging everything at the moment. Sure. Whereabouts are we placed? Because when I talk to my family back over in New Zealand, they're, they're talking a lot about how bullish the uh, New Zealand market is. Mm. I know the US market's been doing very well. Up until recently, we were still 10%, 8%, 9% under the, the break-even line, down for the year when everything else was up. Are we very slow to the part, Lee? And why are we so slow to the part? Yeah, I'm really good question there. Let's uh, go straight to the chart, boys. So the AU equities lagging chart. So while they bring that up, uh, it's, it's kind of a yes and no, as with a lot of these queries. So you can see that we have been lagging. So we can take a look where the blue, on, eyesight's a bit bad. Yeah, where the blue line, if we look, uh, the white line is Asia and the other line is the S&P. So you can see everything was sort of trending up and then COVID hit, everything came down together. Why we've we been slower to the party. So we're one of the few major economies that's still, maybe not few, we're one of, in the half that's below the pre-pandemic highs. So both the US and Japan, I think I mentioned last week, they're above their pre-pandemic highs. We're below, so is the UK, so is Germany. Uh, it's the composition of our uh, index. So the S&P is relatively more exposed to growth, which did well during the pandemic. We're so that's over in the US? Exactly. Right? Yep. And we're relatively more cyclical. Okay. Um, so there is potential, you could look at this positively and say that there is more potential upside for us because of the composition of our index. If you have a look there, uh, we're really only back to where we were at the start of the year. So potentially another 10% give or take one, or, one or two, one, give or take one or two percent. Exactly. And that'd, uh, it'd be, I mean, it's incredible that we are realistically, I have to say this, we're with what, two weeks off the end of the year, we've got a few more trading days left, but it looks like we will, provided we don't have too many more days like today, we will finish in positive territory, if not very close to positive territory. Is that something incredible or was it expected? Uh, you guys are all people very always, There's always an excuse for equities to go up. So yeah. people will always be able to find a way to explain why it happens after the fact. And I think this is just another example. I mean, you think about the GFC and how badly that affected equities, but you know, all back up again. we're still making all-time highs in the US. I should probably note with this chart as well, uh, it's not just the sector rotation. There's also potential upside from earnings upgrades. And more importantly, dividends are going to become, uh, they're probably going to be, look more like what they did last year. A lot of companies either deferred them or cut them as well. So what would you be buying uh, at the moment? Uh, let's go to Gabe. What would you be buying at the moment? Which sector do you see future growth for? Well, in the long term, I think IT is probably not a bad space to be in. Okay. A lot of a company I brought up last week, EML, for example, digital payments, app and for AI, much more of a long-term proposition, but those are companies which I think will do well. Of course, there are others as well. That's a pretty trick question because theoretically you could just go and look, watch your podcast from last week and just, <laughs> and just pick that one there. What about yourself, uh, Caroline? What do you think is a sector that could do do well into the future? Same. I share the same sentiment as Kate. Same sort of place. All right. Well, ladies and gentlemen, that was the best and worst of the ASX this week. Now, do you have a stock that you've been watching for a while? Is it time to buy, sell, or maybe average in? Why not send us a message and we're going to ask our panel. In the meantime, let's take a short break and we'll be back with the final section of the show.
How do you get the highest returns in the stock market on a consistent basis? Obsessed with this idea, Michael Kadari forms COSEC, Kadari Securities. He seeks, in his own words, a revolutionary investment strategy based on better information and knowledge. Wealth begins with better knowledge, becomes his motto. He seeks to identify and accurately pick the next top performing stocks on the ASX. He seeks for consistency. Michael Kadari creates a unique stock market filtering system he names Lotus Blue, named after a flower that blooms just once. Because in investing, timing is everything. See how accurate COSEC stock picks are. Get a free seven-day access to Lotus Blue today. If you want the COSEC investment edge, you know what you have to do. Call COSEC now or visit COSEC.com.au and take advantage of the insights he reserves for his clients. Trust is key to any relationship. Fortunately, it's nothing that can be bought. It's earned. As an investor working with an organisation, they need to demonstrate integrity. They must show consistency, full transparency, accountability. They must be genuine in their approach. Their core values must align with yours. They need to put your interest first. If you are considering investing, work with an organisation that earns and nurtures trust. Work with an organisation you believe in. Work with an organisation that treats you the same way they like to be treated. Join an organisation that views clients as people, not people as clients. If you are considering investing, consider Kosek Kadari Securities. Kids, we were active. We were creative. We questioned all things. We celebrated everything. We took risks. We had no limits. We had dreams. Our imagination helped us solve problems and create new possibilities. Albert Einstein once said, imagination is everything. It is the preview of life's coming attractions. We are in an ever-changing world filled with fear and uncertainty. Don't let that change the inner child within. As Walt Disney said, imagination has no age and dreams are forever. Kosek is here to help build your dreams and create possibilities. Secure your success with Kosek Kadari Securities. Welcome back. The moment we've all been waiting for, the final section of the Kosek Show.
So this is what investors are really looking for. We know what oil, gold, and the dollar has done this week. We know what the top performers for the week was. Now let's find out what our panel is looking at for the week to come. But before we go any further, we have had a question being emailed in. We're going to go to that right now. Hi team, loving the podcast. What do you think the future looks like for the stock BHP? It's close to a five-year high. Thank you very much for that and Merry Christmas. All right, team, we saw that. Let's have a quick discussion about BHP. Broken Hill Projects, for those of you who don't know what mm -hmm. the, the code BHP stands for, uh, what are we, bullish, bearish? Let's start off with Linson. What, what are your thoughts? Uh, if you hold it, it's fine. Yeah, I mean, yeah. It's, looking, it's looking good. Yeah. Um, unless you bought it 10 years ago, you're probably up on it, so well done on that. But it's technically, it's bullish. Yes. Uh, so we know they deal in iron ore, but they do also deal with other stuff. They deal with copper, they have oil, they have coal as well. There's nothing about any of those that's, I mean, obviously coal is being caught up in the, uh, the tensions with China, but iron ore is still looking great. Copper is one of those, I'm going to use the word classic, it's probably not the right word, but it is definitely a risk on commodity as well. So Probably one of the most diversified miners in, a, in Australia, would that be right? That and maybe Rio is uh, the... Yeah, the I'd say it's pretty, pretty dark. I mean, is it the biggest, biggest mine in the world, right? In the, the HP? I'd say so, unless it's something like Atlassian or something over overseas a lot. But yeah, I would I would say that's a pretty fair sure. comment. Let's take a look at, uh, obviously, with UBS, as you spoke about, Caroline, upgrading that whole announcement of the commodity space. You'd be a bit of a, you'd be a bit foolish to not think that that could do well. What are the broker calls saying about BHP specifically? Uh, have you got them up? Actually, whatever you have just said is just um, exactly what the brokers think. So BHB has a very, very positive broker calls. All of them have buy overweight recommendations. However, Macquarie thinks that the near-term risk it's, lies within its exposure to thermal coal. But other than that, everything else is good given that it's exposed to the better performing commodities like iron ore and copper. Excellent. Excellent. So very, very good question. And keep those questions coming. We love them. We love to take take all of them if we could and uh, have a look and have a chat with you all. Let's go to what we think we're looking at this week. What do you like for the week to come, Linson? And why do you like it right now? All right. So, you know, I like to keep you in suspense. So let's start with a, another chart. Let's go with the Aussie consumer confidence chart. So we can see from this that Australian consumer confidence hit a 10-year high. I think this came out at the start of this week or the back end of last week. So potentially that portends a very good Christmas shopping season, uh, which obviously includes the Boxing Day sales. So my pick is going to be in the consumer discretionary segment. Mm -hmm. um, interestingly, so maybe this is a big digression, but in summer I tend to go around in thongs, Havianas. If I really have to put closed toe shoes, I'd be in cons, mm -hmm. Chuck Taylors. However, my go-to shoe in the autumn and winter months and when I'm on holiday are Timberlands. Okay. Very, very di diversified. Very, uh, what, what's the word? Multi flexible. Yeah, flexible, no, I suppose. Um, I think it's Multifaceted, yeah. Yeah, whatever You can use them for many different purposes is what you're trying oh, to say. This is going to kill me because I've got a much more simple and better word for it. But my wife wears Doc Martens as well. Okay. So these are both brands that accent Multi-purpose? No, it's so much better and simpler. Anyway, it does not matter. Versatile. <laughs> Versatile. There yeah, we go. So Versatile. We um, yeah, so matter. my wife and I both happen to wear two brands that are Accent Group, ticker AX1, have the exclusive distribution rights too. So they import, they wholesale, and they retail. So your pick is Accent Group, ticker code AX1, and they are a shoe retailer. Is that right? That's right. Well, they're also a wholesaler as well. Okay, and is that because they're the number one shoe seller? Accent <laughs> AX1? Number one. Yes, Will. Because <laughs> of that. <laughs> so they have other brands as well, and they have 420 stores across Australia and New Zealand. Athletes Foot, most people would have heard of that. Yes, of Hype course. DC, Platypus as well. I don't actually know if DC is related to DC shoes, but if it is, those are the only snowboarding boots that I will buy Okay. Well. Okay. Um, interestingly, that has nothing to do with why it's the pick. Uh, but they're in the ASX 300. Revenues, compound annual growth, 9.8% over the past three years. EBITDA, much more impressive, 39.6%. It's operating. a re relatively unknown story. I, I hadn't, like, I mean, obviously it's something we discuss and we look at quite a exactly. bit, but it's not like it's something that crops up in the news every second day. Yeah. But well, they have almost 500 stores. Is, is that correct? Yeah. Well, well, I didn't count them personally, but I've written 420 <laughs> here. So I'm going to, I think this, the source is quite reliable. Uh, it's because we, we know the brands and we know the stores, but we don't know sort of the 
the name or the company behind it. Okay. But there is a company behind it and it is Accent Group. So City and Morgan Stanley both have buys or overweights on the stock as well. And if we bring up the chart for it as well, we can see it's returned to that upper Donchin channel and the Williams alligator mouth has reopened. And my favorite one continues to create higher lows and high highs. Excellent. So always what we're looking for an upward trend. ASX 300 listed company. It is as always. Okay. And uh, good financials and behind it as you have. Uh, and to actually to, to respond to people who are always going to say, well, I know there's going to be some people who think, oh, it's on a relative high. I shouldn't buy it. Have a look at this stochastic oscillator. It's not overbought yet. Okay. So still got, arguably there could be said that there's potentially a bit more room to run for that. Yes. Very good. All right. Let's go over to Gabe. What are you looking at this week and why do you like it at the moment? Well, this very much so plays into my reasoning for my pick last week. And that is the paradigm shift we have seen because of COVID. And that is concerns regarding infections. Yes. Acquiring them, distributing them and preventing them. Mm -hmm. As such, I think a company like Nanosonics moving forward may potentially do very well. They have a very unique and essentially market leading product. The sonicated hydrogen peroxide okay. is the best uh, scientifically proven way to prevent uh, the transmission of infectious diseases. So that is you know, human papillomavirus as well. Typical chemical soaking solutions are known to be ineffective, whereas their solution is. Importantly, moving forward, um, especially with mothers, the need to ensure the health and the efficacy of a pregnancy is so important, which is why we saw volumes go down for ultrasounds yeah. during the pandemic. So for, for myself, for... for you know, for, for my obtuseness here, explain yes. to me a little bit about what it is exactly that they do. So they do cleaning of very, very, very small surgical equipment. It's ultrasound they, probes. Okay, so they use an ultrasound probe. That's for, right. For and that. they have a high, um, a sonicated hydrogen peroxide solution, which disinfects the probes, thereby preventing infection. But I mean, it sounds very, very complicated, but essentially quite a unique product. Very. Uh, would we say a monopoly, if not a duopoly or, or certainly? Uh, potentially, yeah, yeah, you might call it that. And also quite quite a large market cap uh, relative. Uh, I can remember reading a little bit about that. And it was actually quite large market cap. Uh, indeed, that's yeah. indeed. And we could say actively involved in preventing cross-contamination of things like COVID and other diseases. COVID, bloodborne diseases. In fact, uh, COVID actually, they haven't tested it for that, given that it is a uh, you know transmissible disease. Yes, the assumption course. is that it would. Yes. Um, but that also includes you know HPV, um, HIV, other viruses which are transmitted. That sounds like a fantastic stock. Absolutely. I mean, that, if it's something that's preventing cross-contamination between hospital workers and uh, and. Uh, and patients, etc. That sounds absolutely fantastic. And my understanding is that's what it what it does. Yes, absolutely. Yes. Very good. And what about the chart? Have you got a, a bit? Of yeah. If we pull up the chart, we did see it's um you know downward trending, despite the fact that the market was moving in a more sideways, shall we say, or more positive direction. We have seen, however, with the advent of this vaccine, use a reversal. So if you look at the chart recently, you can see it has been moving upwards, appears to have broken that downward trend. I think much in the same way that we see equities moving in a positive direction, generally speaking as well as oil, for example, yes, the vaccine positivity is being factored in. So volumes for ultrasounds will most likely increase. Budgets may potentially increase to acquire these ultrasound uh, probe disinfection uh, units, Trophon, EPR Trophon 2s. Yes. Uh, moving forward, I think it's a company that has a lot of great potential. And this is one that we are quite involved with. This is one that we could study on, on quite a regular occasion. I know the research department, I understand, has written a big report, one of those big, big, thick report, all about the financials in depth. Uh, goes really, really in depth on all the products. So are, for those of you, for our viewers that want to download that, they can go to info at cosec.com.au and request a, or email us and request, uh, request a copy of that and we'll send it out to them if they are interested. Would that be, that's right? Excellent. Excellent. All right. So I saved the best for last. I've always saved the best for last. Caroline, what are you looking at this week and why do you like it? Mine's a bit of a mouthful. It's called Super Retail Group Limited, ticker code SUL. Yes. So for those of us who don't know, it's a leading retailer of autos, um, outdoor leisure products and sports products. So flagship brands include um, Super Cheap Auto, Rebel Group, uh, MacPack, as well as BCF. We 
which essentially stands for boating, camping, and fishing. Wow, everything that we need to go on holiday at the end of the year. <laughs> exactly. So why do I like it? I like it because it's a fundamentally very, very sound company. So unlike other companies who suffered the brunt of COVID-19, it actually continued to do well. Operating margin revenues and EBITDA actually increased steadily and consistently over the past three years. Um, in the recent trading update, the group also announced very positive operational results. First 17, first 17 weeks, correct, of financial year 21, the um, operations have resumed and continue to remain very solid. Wow, those results are super. <laughs> <laughs> Not such a good one. Very good. But have you got a chart for us? Or you get a yes. So if we look at the charts, oh, by the way, institutions like it a lot as well. Credit Suisse, Morgan Stanley all have very positive and high upsides for the stock. Um, if we look at the chart, um, stock has held its support for the past month, um, trading at the top Donchin channel um, with a sustained positive cross and a diverging MACD. Absolutely fantastic. All great picks. Accent Group Limited, Nanosonics, and of course, Super Retail. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you very much for tuning in this week. This is the final session or the final podcast for the year. On behalf of everyone at the show, I want to wish our clients, friends and colleagues a safe and happy Christmas. Good New Year. And we look forward to seeing you in, uh, in January. My name has been Will Brownlee and this has been The Cosec Show.